Welcome. You're about to listen to a teaching of the Foursquare Gospel Church, VGC District. At Foursquare, we believe in the transformation of communities through the multiplication of disciples, leaders, churches, and movements. May your hearts be blessed and transformed as you listen. Father, we want to thank you for this day. We magnify your name for your goodness and for your continuing mercy. We thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in you and the hope that you represent for us. We thank you, Lord, for keeping us all through the year, right through to this last month of the year. To you be all the glory in the name of Jesus. Father, as we share from your word this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would shed your light on your word. Help us, Lord, to take in your word, to internalize them, and let your word work transformation in our lives. Let us draw hope from you and hold on to the hope that flows from you. Father, Lord, I pray that you help me to bring your word with clarity and simplicity this morning in the name of Jesus. Thank you, eternal rock of ages. And to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we are praying. Praise the Lord. Our team for this month, by the grace of God, is the dawn of hope. The dawn of hope. Praise the Lord. And I will be sharing thoughts with us on the topic, the dawn of hope, and I'll be reading from Isaiah chapter 9, and I'll read verses 1 through to 7. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through to 7. And I'm reading from the New International Version. It says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness a land has a light has dawned you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy they rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder for as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, 
and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end he will reign on david's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever the zeal of the lord almighty will accomplish this praise the lord praise the lord this morning i will start by defining some two words that you have in our in our team and topic the first one is done and then the other one is hope i'll look at what what do these words mean and i'll look at them from different perspectives and then i'll look at the context of our passage this morning and then i will zero in on hope i'll look at what is the foundation of our hope I'll look at some fundamentals of our hope. And then I'll look at the future of our hope. And then we'll round up. I pray that the Lord will help us through in Jesus' name. The, the word hope is, is, is a very common word. And it's, it's a word that we all use. But I took time... And then the word done, too, is, is a, is, 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 is pretty familiar. But let us start by looking at done so that we can take them in that sequence. The word done, I took time to look at the dictionary. And um, the dictionary says that the word done is the first appearance of light in the sky before sunrise there are many there are a number of variations so many of you you know in the morning very early in the morning before the sun comes that segment that breaks darkness and ushers in light is called what dawn dawn it, it breaks darkness the darkness that has pervaded the night. And then before sunrise, before light, bright light comes in, you then have dawn in between that breaks that darkness. It's also used as the beginning of a phenomenon or the beginning of a period, particularly a period that is considered favorable. So they may just say, oh, the dawn of this. You know, the dawn of this. So they use it to describe the beginning. They also use it to describe new beginning, fresh start, or turning point. So and so on. Those are various ways that the word dawn is used. But it's also interesting to note that dawn also carries with it a spiritual meaning, a biblical meaning, slightly different from the dictionary 
and the conventional meaning that we are familiar with. The very first one is, you know, don't suggest the notion of illumination and hope. If you turn your Bibles to Psalm 112 and we look at verse 4, the New International Version, it says, Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for the gracious and compassionate and righteous, righteous man. It says, Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. Psalm 112, verse 4. You know, and that's the notion of illumination that dawn represents from a biblical perspective. If you look at the King James Version, it says, Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. And the New Living Translation says, Light shines in the darkness for the godly. So you see how dawn works very closely with light and works closely with hope. Is a promise of brightness, of light, of something new, of something fresh that is coming. My prayer for you this morning is that the light of the Holy Spirit will shine into whatever darkness or dark situation that, may be, that you may be going through or experiencing at the moment in Jesus' name. I pray that the light of the Holy Spirit will arise and illuminate and bring fresh hope into your current situation of uncertainty or doubt or indecision or suspense, or vagueness, or even the feeling of insecurity in the name of Jesus. Biblically, too, a new dawn signifies an end to an era and the beginning of a new era. And Isaiah 43, verse 19, tells us, it says, look, see... I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the waste land. That's a new era, a new dawn. The Bible here is saying, do you not perceive it? Can't you see he says, look, see, I am doing a new thing. And that new thing is springing up. My prayer for you this morning is that by his special grace, the Lord will begin to do new things in your lives in the name of Jesus. As we get to this last month of this year, the Lord will begin to do new things in your lives. I pray that the Lord will open the heavens on whatever desert situations we may be experiencing in our lives in Jesus' name. I pray that the Lord will make streams flow through any form of dryness in our lives in the name of Jesus. And I pray that the Lord will help us to see the new things he's doing in our lives and around us 
and help us to connect to them. And I also pray that God will fulfill his purposes in our lives in the name of Jesus. I pray that this will be a new thing, a new time in our life, a new season, a season of forgiveness, a season of blessing, a season of restoration, and a season of God's divine presence in our lives in the name of Jesus. John also represents in biblical um, parlance a form of transformation. It represents transformation. It represents transition. Like I said earlier on, John comes to break the darkness and usher in the sunlight of the day. It represents transition. It represents transformation. Transformation of darkness into light. And Luke chapter 1 verse 78 and 79 says, Because of the tender mercies of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And that's Luke chapter 1, verse 78 and 79. My prayer for us this morning is that as many as are in our midst who are yet to experience the transforming power of the work of redemption done by our Lord Jesus Christ, that today, by the grace of God, and this month of December, they will experience the salvation that this work of rep uh, redemption represents for us in Jesus' name. Today will be a day of salvation for them as well. And I pray that as many as are here today, at the end of this message, I'll give you the opportunity of deciding for the Lord Jesus Christ, of tapping and connecting into that work of redemption so that you can become a part of this family and you can begin to enjoy the full benefits of the work of the Lord's saving grace in Jesus' name. And I pray that the Lord will beam his transforming light into every dark situation in our lives in the name of Jesus. I also pray that every dark spot in our lives will receive the transforming light of the Holy Spirit. I pray against lingering weaknesses and besetting sins in the life of any member of our congregation. And I pray the Lord will beam the transforming light of the Holy Spirit in all those areas and spots in our lives that represent weaknesses for us and besetting sins in our lives in the name of Jesus. And I pray that the Lord will grant us both grace and power to live above those sins and those weaknesses in the name of Jesus. And then let me quickly move to hope so that we can get to the heart of the issue. Hope. The dictionary definition of hope is, it says, to trust in, to wait for, to look for, 
or desire something or someone to expect something beneficial in future. The Oxford Dictionary goes on to add, it says, a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. It says, wanting something to happen or to be the case. But let us look at biblical views and presentation of hope. Biblical hope is not mere desire for something good to happen. It's a little more than what the dictionary defines as hope. Biblical view and presentation of hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised. The confident expectation of what? what God has promised. Hope means to trust and wait expectantly. Hope must have a genuine substance to it. It must have a foundation. Hope is expectation and anticipation in what we believe. Our hope can be as strong as what we have learned about God's goodness and his faithfulness. And I want us to follow this carefully as we continue to look at hope. And I want to take us a little back and take us into the Old Testament. It's interesting to see that the Old Testament rendition of hope is slightly different from the New Testament rendition of hope. There is a bit of shift in the Old Testament, hope is presented as a verb. Hope is presented as action. Hope represents the things that the people were expect, the acts of God. Hoping in God's unfailing love and mercy. For instance, if you look at Psalm 130 verse 7, it says, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. So, in the Old Testament, hope is viewed as a verb, the acts of the Lord. And in Jeremiah 29:11, it says, "For I know the plans that I have for you," declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, this begins to gradually get us into our text where I, um, Isaiah begins to prophesy about the coming Messiah. And we begin to see how that Messiah represents hope and how hope is viewed in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament where we still are, hope here is viewed as a verb, is presented as a verb, as an act of God. And that's why in Jeremiah, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. They are plans to give you hope and a future. I pray that the Lord will help us 
to always remember that in him we have hope. Amen? And I also pray that the future of our young ones will not be cut short in their prime in Jesus' name. I pray that God's plans for our young ones will be brought to fruition and manifestation in the name of Jesus. I pray that the Lord will keep them and they will live their full life if the coming of the Lord tarries in the name of Jesus. But as we then move into the New Testament, we begin to see something slightly different. In the New Testament, hope is no longer a verb. Hope is no longer a verb. It becomes a noun. Hope becomes a noun. Hope is now personified. Hope is no longer a mere part of speech. Hope is now in the person of who? Jesus Christ. Hope is now in the person of who? Jesus Christ. So it's no longer just part of a speech. Hope is now personified. And that's why we can say the dawn of hope. And that was what the prophet Isaiah was prophesying in Isaiah 9 from verses 1 down through to, to 7. It's a new dawn of hope. Hope personified in the coming Messiah. And that's why the New Testament is slightly different. And if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 10, 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 10 says, that is why we labor and strive. Because we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people and especially of those who believe. So the hope that we have and we hold on to is personified in who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. It's personified in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me now go back to our text in Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9, verse, verses 1 through to 7, you know, talks of this new dawn of hope, a new beginning for us in Christ. Every dawn puts the things of yesterday in the past and allows us to begin afresh. So the Bible in Isaiah 9, 2 uses the imagery of, of the dawn to communicate the reality of a new beginning in Christ Jesus. Here, Isaiah speaks of the coming deliverer who will one day lead God's people to joy, peace, righteousness, justice. This person is the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This prophecy reveals very important truths about this coming Messiah. The beauty of it is those who lived at the time of Isaiah saw this as prophecy. But we live in the fulfillment of that prophecy. And that's why I think we live at a better time. Because we live at a time that 
these prophecies have been fulfilled, but not just that they've been fulfilled, we are beneficiaries and partakers of all that is prophesied and promised in this passage of scripture. Here, prophet Isaiah says that yes, the coming Messiah will minister in Galilee, but more importantly, he tells us that the coming Messiah will bring the light of salvation and hope. So our Lord Jesus Christ brings the light of salvation and hope. And this is very instructive for us as Christians and as believers. The fact that we have hope in who? In Christ. We are not like they that do not have um, hope. So we should not at any time operate or live our lives as if we are hopeless. We are not. We are not at all. I pray that the Lord will continue to help us to connect both to the truth of his scripture and the promises in his word. He goes on in verse 3 to say that he would enlarge the community of God's people. Essentially talking about how the gospel will spread. How the Gentiles will come in and be regarded as a part of the community of his people. He says he will bring peace by delivering his people from the yoke of oppression and the crushing and also by crushing their enemies. My prayer for everyone under the sound of my voice this morning is that the Lord will deliver everyone from the yoke of oppression. Wherever this is coming from, whatever the source is, whatever form it takes, I pray that the Lord will break the yoke of oppression in everyone's life in the name of Jesus. And then he goes on to say that the Messiah will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. So that is the context. And it's important that um, we're able to understand this because that's our team text. That we are in a new, we're in in a new dawn, a dawn of hope that we need to recognize, we need to connect to, that by the grace of God, as we go into this last month of this year, as this month prepares to usher us into the coming year, my prayer is that the Lord will begin to do new things in our lives in the name of Jesus. That the Lord will do new things in our church, will do new things in our community, and more importantly, will do new things in our nation. I am believing firmly in the Lord, and I know that God indeed will do a new thing in our country in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout a louder amen. amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Let us then look at what is the foundation of our hope. You know, when we talk about, you know, we've talked about hope. What is the foundation? 
what is, what is our hope resting on? Or what is it sitting on? What is the basis? What is holding that hope? What guarantees do we have? And that's why we want to talk about the foundation. So that when you hold on to something, or we say, look, hold on to this hope. Or you're holding on to this promise and this hope. It's important that you know the foundation. And to know that, where is this rooted in? You know, when you have your child, for instance, and when that child is still a child, and if, as a parent, you've been very honest with the child, you know, the child has a way of believing the parents, right? They will believe anything you tell them. Anything. Anything. And they will trust their parents. They will trust their parents. You can see a child, a child would hardly want to go to any other strange person. Would not even allow a guest carry them. But they have implicit trust in their parents. Why? Because there is a foundation for that trust. And that foundation is unshakable. And, and that's why it's good from time to time. And it's good for us to understand and appreciate the foundation of our hope. Our hope is personified in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the foundation is in the love of God. Is in the love of God for us. And the manifestation, the peak of the manifestation of that love for us is a redemptive work that our God did by sending his one and only son to come and die for us so that he will serve as an atonement for our lives so that we can experience that transformation in us so that we can be reconciled to God. So that love is first and foremost. So when you hold on to a promise of the Lord, and you're hoping that the Lord at his own time and season will fulfill that promise in your life, I want to assure you, brethren, you have no reason to doubt. You have no reason to be afraid because the God that has promised is a God that never fails and is a God that loves you and loves you. I even like the words to describe, you know, he loves you perfectly. 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 So that's part of that foundation. That this God has tremendous love for you. So when you feel like giving up, you feel so sad or depressed, I want you to just remember 
that the God of all hope is the God that has promised that he will be with you and that he will never forsake you. And that is coming from a God that loves you, loves you so much that he will not hold back anything for you. It's also the fact that Christ is the light. In the past, spiritually, we lost our way. But the God of new beginnings begins a work of grace in our darkness by shining the light of Christ on us. And we're told in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory. And then he goes on, God has donned a new life in our darkness. You look at the life that you used to live before you encountered Christ and the difference that Christ made in your life. The new life in Christ that you and I now have. That is also part of the foundation. And that's why this foundation is so firm. It can't fail. It's unshakable. God opens a new day to us as he, be, as he brings us into a new life in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 reminds us, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The new has come. So that's the foundation. And then as we look at some fundamentals of hope, some fundamentals of hope, it's important that for you to claim this hope, for this dawn, of hope to be a reality in your life. It's important that some fundamentals are there. The very first one is the saving faith in Christ. That you have experienced that saving faith in Christ. And that is that you have given your life to Christ. And that you are born again. You've asked Christ to come into your life. And you have become a new creation. If you have not done that then we can't be talking about the new dawn of hope for you. The very first step is to first seek that reconciliation, is to first become a beneficiary of the work of salvation by giving your life to Christ, by repenting of your sins, forsaking them, asking the Lord to forgive you, and asking Christ to come into your life so that you can become a new creation. Because the Bible tells says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not what? Perish, but have what? Eternal life. Eternal life. You must be on your path to that eternal life. Then we can begin to talk of the dawn of hope for you. 
But if you have not had that personal encounter, then you need to do that. That's key. And then, another fundamental is trust and confidence in God. Trust and confidence in God. Hope rests in the sure and confident expectation that God who sent Christ to pay the penalty for our sins will meet all our needs both in the present and for all eternity. Trust and confidence in God. Just like you have a child. A child has implicit confidence in the parents that his or her needs will be met. So the, 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 the child does not think or bother about how the parents will go about meeting his or her needs because that child has implicit confidence in the parents. And that's the kind of confidence that we should also have in God, that God will meet our needs in Jesus' name. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Then another fundamental is new beginning in Christ. Every dawn puts the things of yesterday in the past and allows us to begin afresh. The Bible uses the imagery of the dawn to communicate the reality of new beginnings. We, we, we serve a God who gives us the opportunity for new beginnings. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes we flutter. Sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we disappoint. But our God is a God who gives a second chance. He's a God who allows for new beginnings. Even when we fail, even when we disappoint, he gives us the opportunity for a new beginning. So perhaps you are here thinking that, no, I have failed God. I have disappointed God. I'm not good enough for God. The Lord Jesus is reaching out to you today and telling you that this is the dawn of hope. It's a dawn of new beginning. It's a time of a new era in your life and in your walk with the Lord. And I want you to seize the moment. I want everyone under the sound of my voice to seize this moment if you are in that situation is a time to reconcile is a time to ask the Lord to start a new thing in your life and that's why we say is a, is, is a, is, is, is a dawn of hope is a time to allow God start a new work in our lives each new day is a promise of new beginnings. It is a new opportunity to turn the disappointments of our lives in a new direction. 
the Lord presents us a unique opportunity today to turn the disappointments of our lives in a new direction. Let's put the failures of life, bad decisions or poor decisions, broken relationships, unfortunate circumstances in the past and let us press forward. It's a new day. It's a new era. It's a dawn of hope and the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Hope looks into the future. Hope looks into the future. Hope is built on faith. Hope comes from God. And I pray that the Lord will help us. And as we look at the future of our hope, the future of our hope is guaranteed because it hinges on a God that is immutable. The God that never changes. The immutability of God is an attribute that God is unchanging in his character, in his will, and in his covenant promises. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. In Malachi 3.6, he says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. He doesn't change. And we have something that looks like a motto in, 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 in the first square church. And that is Hebrews 13.8. It says, Jesus Christ is what? Is the same yesterday and today and forever. He never changes. He never changes. You can hold on to his promises. He does not change in his character. He does not change in his will. He does not change in his covenant promises. They are sure. They are sure. They are sure. They are sure. God's unshakable commitment to his promises is another thing that guarantees the future for us. Unshakable. Unshakable commitment to his promises. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? That's the question. No. Whatever he says, he does. Whatever promises he makes, he fulfills. Praise the Lord. You know, and there's, you know, every time we say the grace, then we recite Psalm 26, verse 6, Psalm 23, verse 6 after. And, you know, it has almost become like a routine, and I'm not sure that we think about it. You know, and then we say, surely, eh? God's word? Eh? Eh? Yes. Yes. He says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy will follow me. It's like goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. You know, the next time 
You recite it, take a breath, think about it. What it means is that goodness and mercy is pursuing you, is following you. And you dwell in the presence of the Lord. You are secured. You have no business with insecurity. There's no place for fear. Because you dwell in the presence of the Lord. And God's goodness and his mercy will do what? We follow you. Today? Tomorrow? When? And you know, it's interesting to see that this was coming from David. David looked to the future with confidence. He looked to the future with confidence. David had lived a full life. He had endured the range of battle. Had the acclaim of the nation. He had climbed to the heights and had fallen to the depths. David had seen everything. David was a superlative man. He was an extraordinary guy. Got into heights and gone down to deeps. Blessed with family, lost sons. His son rose against him. One, two. David had to run from the city in shame. David had gone through different things. Was victorious. As a young man, defeated Goliath. The whole nation was singing David's acclaim. From nowhere, the Lord anointed him and made him king and established his throne. David was a prophet, he was a king, he was a musician, he was a priest. David had everything embedded in him. But David also suffered all kinds of humiliation and pains. And the same David will now say, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. How many of you are like David? I'm not sure there's anyone here who comes close to David. David, up to tomorrow, continues to remain perhaps the greatest king that Israel ever had. He's so immortalized in Israel. But again, he's gone through his pains. He's semicide. He sinned, felt humiliated. The prophet had to come to tell him straight to his face that he had messed up big time. And then you read about his confession in Psalm 51. You see the contrite heart of David. And David here, at the end of this psalm, says, surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I don't know what situation you are going through or the experiences that you have gone through. I'm sure you haven't gone through anything close to David. You as well can say, surely, 
goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And the Lord is there. He would affirm it. He would affirm it. His past experiences gave back to his present hope. David expressed great hope in God because David has seen God's faithfulness through the years. He had hope for the years to come. David looked into the future with hope. We have many people today, including Christians, who look into the future with no hope at all. And everything that comes out of their mouth is so negative. Brethren, that should not be our confession. If that is your narration or your narrative, I pray that that will change in the name of Jesus. And that's why we say this is the dawn of hope. So if you've been confessing negative things about yourself, about your family, about your community, about your church, about your country, this is the dawn of hope. Amen? It's a dawn of what? Hope. It's a dawn of hope. Speak hope to yourself. And the Lord will bring it to pass in Jesus' name. Speak hope to yourself. Speak hope to yourself. And let your hope be hinged on Christ. And like David, you need to approach the future with confidence and with hope in the Lord. And always remind yourself that God will send goodness and mercy to follow you. Just like David. And that's why Paul too will say in Romans 8.28 and he says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. No fear for the future because nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Not tribulation, trials, temptation, any experience. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. No fear for the future. Surely, goodness and mercy will pursue us. Surely, because God has never failed us in the past. Surely, because he does not begin a work, he does not complete. Surely, because the experience of his flock attests to what David knew, that God never forsakes us. Surely, because he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Let us rise and pray. I just want you to begin to talk to God. What hope do you profess? What hope do you profess? The dawn of hope. If you profess negativity about yourself, about your family, your community, your church, your country, this is a time for a new beginning. I want you to begin to ask that the Lord will help you so that your story will change.
ask that your story will change. Let's begin to ask that the Lord will help us to change our narrative. What's your view of the future for yourself, for your children? Is it gleam or is it gloomy? That must change. Because hope is now personified in our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to begin to talk to God. And if you are here, you have not at any time given your life to Christ. This is your chance. Today is a day of salvation. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. The Bible says that, look, he says, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hears me and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him. The Lord is knocking at the door of your heart this morning. And he's waiting there. He wants you to open the door and ask him to come in. As you confess your sins, repent and forsake them. The Lord is there willing to forgive and to give you a new life so that you can become a beneficiary of the work of salvation. If you are here in the main auditorium or in the penal session or connected to us online and you want to ask the Lord to come into your life or you have already done so, just signify by raising up your hands. We'll get our pastors to just pray with you quietly. Just signify by raising up your hands. God bless you. God bless you. Just signify by reason of God bless you. You are before the Lord. I want all eyes closed. Signify by raising up your hands. And I want our ministers to reach out to them. And minister to them. Just signify by raising up your hands. Just signify by raising up your hands. You are before the Lord. This is your chance. We are speaking of the dawn of hope. You want a new life you want a new era to start in your life today this is your chance this is your opportunity for a new beginning with christ i want the rest of us to be praying let us pray let's ask that the lord will help us